From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Like many of you, the On Second Thought team is prepping for July 4th barbecues, pool parties, and parades. Another thing that we're cooking up, playlists. And so far, this song dominates the summer shuffle. After 13 weeks at the top of Billboard's Hot 100, Old Town Road could be 2019 Song of the Summer. Well, today we're going to dig into that song's Come From Outside Rise and talk about what propels a catchy single to summer season dominance. But first, we're going to roll back to the colder months when Billboard yanked Old Town Road from its hot country chart. Billboard execs essentially said of Atlanta native Little Nas X's hit, that ain't country. Georgia Tech professor and music journalist Joyce Lynn Wilson begs to differ and wrote about that assessment for the bitter southerner and joins me now in the studio. Welcome, Joyce Lynn. Hello. Thank you. Well, Lil Nas X released Old Town Road in December. By April 13th, it was number one on the Hot 100 and by most accounts, probably bound for number one. So how to get there? Well, you have to think about how Lil Nas X probably was sitting up deciding how he he was going to do this song and what he was going to use in order to get it out there. And I just think that it was a perfect storm of the ability to use memes and the virality that comes with social media mixed with some innovation and just being from Atlanta. Like, we have to keep in mind that we, you know, he's from Atlanta, so he's bred around a particular type of energy around culture, innovation, and music. I mean, Atlanta has been dominating hip-hop for the last 30 years. So I think that he is part of a history and a legacy that gave him an opportunity to really put a song out. I mean, you have to keep in mind, here you have a 19-year-old who decides that he wants to drop out of college, right, and become a rapper or become a, a culture creator, right? So he decides that, you know, I'm going to sleep on my sister's couch. I'm going to tell my parents. And I really got to make this work for me, you know. And to be able to find a song online from another young man that lives in the Netherlands. Right? Right? Paid $30 for the sample, $30. as far as I know. And had no idea that he was sampling Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so cool, right? So you spend $30, your last bit of money, and you buy the song and put together his own campaign. You know, take the song, put put create a video that is, re- that is from the Red Dead Redemption 2 video game. So just the innovation and the resources that he tapped into to create this song and then the, you know, it's part of the meme challenge. Then it goes on a TikTok and just become this viral hit that gets everybody's attention and he categorizes categorizes it because it's it has so many different genres that it's pulling from. I mean, hip hop is a sampling culture, right? Mm-hmm. It's a sampling it's a sampling movement. And so he does all of this and gets the attention of Columbia, you know, starts hitting the charts. And then countries like, yo, take that off. <laughs> That's not what we do. At least that's not how we do it, right? So so I think that's it was just the perfect storm of him just being in timing too, you know, being 19 and and growing up as a digital native mm-hmm. as, as He's often know, identified as a meme yes, artist. He's a so, meme artist. Yeah. So this is who he this is what he knows. And so it just reminds me of how southern hip hop 
you know, has also this history of being able to take something that's really cheap, use it as innovation, and then put it out there. This, this is kind of off subject, but just last week, this group Crime Mob celebrated 15 years of a song called Nuck If You Buck, which is really part of Down South Trap Music's canon. And it was really six kids from Ellenwood who wanted to express themselves but couldn't afford Pro Tools, so they used Fruity Loops. So I'm I'm reminded just of that youthful energy with Lil Nas X and just kind of taking what is available and putting it out there for people to enjoy. Well, here's some youthful energy, a group of kids singing the song in Atlanta. They don't want to tell me nothing. Listen, Drifter. And then just a couple of days ago, another fan became an internet sensation. <laughs> That's an Australian shepherd getting his howl on. <laughs> but I want to go back to what you were saying, you know. A month before Old Town Road was number one on the Hot 100, debuted at number 19, again, propelled there by TikTok, which for anyone over, what, say 24 is? (laughs) (laughs) They might not know about, right? (laughs) Social media network. But what was the explanation given when Billboard knocked Old Town Road off the country music charts? Um, The explanation was that it did not fit the way in which they identify country compositions. So whatever that formula is that is designated for country or for a country sound or for a song to be country, which um, I never could find, this is the reason why they said they took it off. Mm -hmm. Well, some critics called Old Town Road cultural appropriation. You say not a chance. Why not? Of course not. I mean... Cultural appropriation. I don't. I don't think that you can appropriate something you were a part of creating and had a had a had a really strong voice and role in creating the sound of a song. And so, if we're going to talk about cultural appropriation of country music, I could see why people think that country music is for white people by white people. I can get that because we're at a point now where it's pretty much dominated. The genre and the industry is dominated by white men. But the first performer on the Grand Ole Opry is a black man. Black people, blues music is very much a part of the development of what we get as country. And so that storytelling, that sound and the role of black musicians and creating those stories and those sounds is very much indigenous to the music and the culture but maybe not so much the genre at this point. Yeah, so that, I can see how people could get that confused. But no, I mean, you don't see Nine Inch Nails saying, hey, you guys are appropriating rock music. But is that acoustic string rock? You know, so it, it gets into this conversation around just the organization and the sound of music. Right. And what is country and what isn't country? 
I'm speaking with Georgia Tech professor Joyce Lynn Wilson about Old Town Road by Little Nas X. The Atlanta native song has been 13 weeks at number one, but it did not get there without a few bumps and potholes in the road. What do you think about Old Town Road? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Have you had enough? You can let us know. We're on Twitter at OST Talk. I want to bring a couple more folks into this conversation. Floyd Hall is an Atlanta-based writer, documentarian, and producer of Bottom of the Map. That's a podcast about Southern hip-hop. Floyd, welcome back. Good morning. Glad to be here. Nice to have you here with us. And also with us is Alan Light. He is a journalist, author, and a host of SiriusXM's Debatable. He joins us now on the line from NPR in New York. Hello, Alan. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Okay, so let's get into that, what Joycelyn was just talking about, like white music for white people. Uh, So what felt like overnight, Billy Ray Cyrus, I guess Lil Nas X, put out a tweet and said, like, I think we need Billy Ray Cyrus on this song. He, sensing an opportunity, which is an interesting thing in itself, um, didn't know if you had any thoughts on that, why Billy Ray, who's considered kind of an outsider in country music now, he's no longer a hit maker, right, let's put right. it that way. Well, I mean, he understands, you know, how to be, you know, when you're blocked out of a particular genre, he gets that. I mean, he has an experience with Achy Breaky Heart. You know, folks didn't think that was country enough. You know, so I believe that he was he saw an opportunity, but he also has some compassion. You know, he has shown up for the performances of the songs. He's brought Lil Nas X as well to different festivals. And so I think that they're collaborating well at this point. I would like I hope that they continue to perform the song together. I think that he saw an opportunity. and He took it. I thought they were performance together on this the BET Awards was a little spiritless. I don't know if you saw that one. I thought it was good. Did you? I did. I, I was I was happy to see him. You know, it was something about him performing that he, he felt like I had this I felt this energy from him like he had arrived. I'm talking about Lil Nas X. Like mm-hmm. he really felt like he was there and I think I think Billy Ray Cyrus did a good job. I like the dancers. I think it was a good performance. Okay, I'm not dogging on Billy Ray then. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not. I'm not like pro Billy Ray, but I think he saw an opportunity and it's working for both of them. Well, it is not the first. It's hip hop or rap country crossover, as it's been called. There was over and over again by Nelly featuring Tim McGraw. Let's hear a little of that. All right, a little middle of the road, a little more recently, Georgia's own Jason Aldean, Dirt Road Anthem featuring Ludacris. Okay, both of these songs, I guess, qualified as country rap and Old Town Road doesn't. Floyd, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I think it's just an, an interesting uh, perspective on... Um, you know, what we assume culture and music to look like. And I think that when those two things don't align in, in certain gatekeepers' heads, then you get what we got when it comes to Lil Nas X. And I think that when you look at Atlanta as a music city and Nashville as a music city, um, with country and hip-hop being, you know, their their calling cards, I think those cultures just work differently. And I believe that what we, what we are currently experiencing um, or what we experience with you know, uh, Old Town Road is that there are certain gatekeepers in certain places and they have the ability to affect how we 
um, will ultimately perceive and receive certain music. Yeah, well, so that's one of the things about Old Town Road, that it's not so much the what, but the how, that it got there without going through the traditional uh, Nashville gatekeepers. You were, you're nodding your head, Joyce Lynn. Yeah, I mean, it turned out that he didn't need it. You know, he had the people, he had so many other people, he had, you know, when you have a dog that can feel the spirit of a song. I hate to get so cliche-ish, you know, but, you know, it really touched a lot of folks. So he really didn't need country to endorse him. It, the song had already been endorsed, and it's already on the Hot 100. It's, it has, it's the longest-running rap song, you know. 13, nobody can touch it. Nobody can touch it at no. this point. And, you know, he really didn't. And that's the, and the Hot 100 is the flagship chart for Billboard. So, okay. I think that the country music charts kind of lost out on something. Alan, we have just a minute before the break, but I just wanted to get you in here. What do you think is this that it's showed that the music industry has changed, at least how charting has? Listen, I think there's there's a couple of things. and, And quick, I think that, you know, the great thing is we all think pop music, it's formula. You could make it up in a lab. You know, there's no art to it. And then these things happen that nobody ever could have anticipated, that obviously no music executive would have thought this is a thing that could be a number one hit. And that's what's great about it. In the end, the audience really does determine what they respond to. And as much as we want to be dismissive of pop music as something that's, you know, uh all too predictable um, and, and and all too corporate. That isn't the way that it actually works for listeners, and that's always exciting to see and a reminder that this stuff is way more interesting than uh, than a lot of people think it is. Well, thanks so much, Joycelyn. I know we have to say goodbye to you, but Alan and Floyd, please stick around. Joycelyn Wilson is a Georgia Tech professor and music journalist. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I and, appreciate it. You know, we just need another excuse to hear more of Old Town Road, I'm sure. <laughs> Nobody has heard enough of that one. Well, stick around. We're going to talk a little bit about the sound of the summer or the songs of the summer. We're talking about the music industry right here. How does a catchy tune become the song of the summer. Stay with us. We've got more on Second Thought coming up. Tweet us your songs of the summer. We're at OST Talk. I'm Virginia Prescott. Hang out. We'll be right back. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, we're back with On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. It is the eve of Independence Day, so we're popping off, popping a top off, let's say, of some of the summer's biggest hit songs and talking about what makes a catchy single the definitive song of the summer. Here's how that annual honor has evolved over the past 10 years. I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night.
Well, what's on your playlist? Some new bangers or some old go-to songs that say summer? We would love to know. You can tweet us at OSD Talk to join the conversation. You can leave us a voicemail. We're at 404-500-9457. And if you get extra points, if you sing it. Because this is a summer weekend on the way, we're st- we, 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 got, we got Joycelyn Wilson to stick around with us this morning. <laughs> Georgia Tech professor wrote about Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. Uh, uh, for Bitter Southerner, Alan Light is with us from NPR in New York, host of Sirius XM's Debatable. Floyd Hall is also with us, Atlanta-based writer, documentarian, and producer of the Bottom of the Map podcast. Um, Floyd, I want to ask you first, you know, we just took a deep dive into Old Town Road, and I hear you're ready to retire this one. <laughs> you know, I think it's not even so much a matter of wanting to retire it, but I am a, a tad bit Old Town Roaded out, and I think that this is more so a function of our digital culture, and not that the song is bad or getting old, but normally there will be a song that will come and emerge and take its spot in our collective consciousness. And I'll, I don't know if that's quite happened yet in terms of uh, a vibe that all of us are kind of feeling and jumping on. So I think I'm kind of waiting for that next big summer wave to come crashing over us. Well, we've got a lot of contenders for that. We've got, uh, so, you know, but this is really what's interesting. You know, Old Town Road, we mentioned it's been on the top. Taylor Swift has a new record. Justin Bieber has a new record. Nobody has been able to touch this record. And, and, and so, so are we looking for something new or have we settled in to this one? I don't know, Joycelyn, you're, you're nodding. I've settled into it. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with hearing it over and over again. I, it is definitely a part of my summer playlist, along with some other older songs. I mean, when we think back to summertime, you know, with Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff, I mean, it played a the. I mean, we didn't have social media and digital to Floyd's point at that time, but it played over and over and over again on our radios and to the point where we're still playing it now with the new summer hit. So I'm okay with Lil Nas X and Old Town Road just really milking itself to, uh, I mean, the listeners want to hear it. So that's that's fine with me. Alan, what do you think I that think- song has that others don't? Well, first of all, I think it's it's game over for Song of the Summer. Uh, I think I, if the question is, does does Old Town Road have six more weeks in it? I don't think there's any question that it has six more weeks in it. Um, and as much as there are big name contenders, as you've said, it's held off two Taylor Swift singles. It's held off an Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber single. Um, the you know the big guns are taking their best swings at it, and uh, and Lil Nas X is fighting everybody off and holding on to that number one. And I don't think that's going to stop in the next few weeks. And I think to get back to something Jocelyn was talking about earlier in the show, I think that in some ways it is so much the perfect representation of so much about where pop music and a pop audience is right now. Mm-hmm. I think that even if you listen to the those <clears throat> songs that you played over the last decade of Songs of the Summer, the main thing that stands out uh, for what's happening in pop music really is this erasing of the idea of genres and genre distinctions, the blurring of those lines between the ways that people, especially that kids, listen to music now. And I think when a lot of us grew up, uh, the way that we listened to music, there was something very tribal about it, right? You listened to rock, you didn't listen to country. You listen to hip-hop, you're not interested in pop music. In a playlist culture, as we move to the ways that kids get music one song at a time and cherry-pick the stuff that they like, it's 
increasingly impossible to draw much of a distinction between what's a country song, what's a pop song, what's an R&B song. Um, and and this, it, this, this song really represents the explosion of that to where nobody knows what to call it. Billboard doesn't know what to call it. And what it's doing is ticking the most boxes, the most audiences, the most different listeners, finding them, as you were saying, virally first outside of the industry. And... You know, that's where this business is right now. Mm -hmm. This is a year we haven't had. <clears throat> there hasn't been new music from Beyonce, from Adele, from uh, from Gaga, from you know, there's the Taylor Swift album coming. But in the meantime, it's a lot of these smaller, outsidery, genre blurring kinds of songs that are the ones that are really capturing the imagination. Right. And not, I think that's not what's to mention hold, that Lil, through summertime. Well, and the Lil Nas X also constantly engaging with followers and fans. You know, this is of this, a digital native, as Joyce Lynn was mentioning before. But you also opened up something else about radio play. And I think that that's, you know, uh, the idea of us listening tribally. You know, you either listen to the country station or the classic rock station or the hip hop station. So that's a way that that culture has become sort of segregated. Segmented, but Spot Spotify and other streaming services have kind of erased those distinctions. So, just to open this up here, what, in your opinion, are the hallmarks of a summer song, Floyd? Well, I think that uh, Joycelyn kind of mentioned the, uh, uh, the, the the summertime anthem um, of, of hip hop when it comes to uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. But I would even go back before that, the song that they interpolated with Summer Madness about cooling the gang. Mm. Um, my dad would, would appreciate that mention. <laughs> um, but but I, and I think there's this distinction between a song of the summer and like a summer song, because I think summer songs are songs that you kind of come back to every summer mm -hmm. that kind of mark the beginning of that season for right. you. The same way that we have Christmas songs that kind of right. start like, okay, you, you play Silent Night at a certain time in the year. So with, with, with summertime songs, I think that you, you kind of have a distinction of, of uh, sort of marking that time period. So for me, even this past year, I go back to Feels Like Summer by Childish Gambino. Like that was my first, like, this is a great summertime vibe song that I will probably keep playing every summer, but maybe not outside of that. Well, we just happen to have that in our back pocket. Let's hear a little. <laughs> <laughs> How about for you, Joyce Lynn? The, the, the idea like song about summer or just reminds you of summer's past? Oh, that was a good point. I mean, because you do, you have, I wonder if summertime is that song that just reminds you of the summer because I don't play it any other time during the year. And then you have a summer song and Lil Nas X is definitely going to be that summer song. I agree with Alan about, you know, it's going to stick it's going to stick in there. So, but I wonder if next summer I'm going to be listening to Old Town Road. You got me thinking about that now, you know, with the distinction. Uh, probably so. Or you'll remember, <laughs> I will remember summer 2019. I was yeah. here driving out this place and I heard that song. Let's uh, let's right, also hear. That, go ahead, Alan. I think sorry, I think that's more the 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 point is, you know, listening to again those songs that you played that were the songs that defined each of the, the last summers. I don't know that it's a question that those are in any way summer specific, but I think 
you know, going back to something you were, you said, introducing the show. How do you listen to music mm-hmm. in the summer? We mm-hmm. listen to it at parties, at barbecues, driving around. It's about a, first of all, a certain spirit, mm-hmm. uh, a certain mood. These are not, you know, introspective ballads. That's not what you're turning to at that point. And also things that appeal to the widest range of people. Everybody that's coming to your barbecue, what are they all going to like? So what are the songs that are going to tick off the most of those boxes uh, that are going to cross people who are interested in different genres or different styles or different sounds? Those are the ones that come to dominate these months and, and define it, as you said, moving forward. Hey, that's what we were listening to during that year and that season. Well, often we talk about the frothy pop hit, or then there's the hip-hop banger for the summer. Let's hear one that's got a little bit of bottom to it. This is Lizzo, who's having a big moment. This is Juice. Okay, that's Lizzo. You could have you could have picked, I think, a lot of singles off of her new record to have worked. But you know, this is another funny thing about you think about the songs of the summer. They're usually produced back in the winter, you know, around Christmas time for this release. Is there a strategy to putting out a song just for summer, Alan? You want to pick that up? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a. I think you know, remember that. To Floyd's point, most Christmas albums are recorded during summertime, and it's always funny to listen to artists talk about, you know, hanging tinsel and bringing trees into the studio in L.A. in the summer so they can get the mood right for a Christmas record. Um, It's a little different, I think, because it's more of a moving target. Uh, Certainly... You think about, oh, is there, a, is there a song? Is there something that we would want to have out for summertime and try to capture that? But there are so many pieces around that. There's also, hey, maybe an Old Town Road is out there that's blocking that space and we're not going to get that, that shot. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really the same strategies that go into trying to come up with anything that's a big pop record. It's just a little more amplified because the season gives different opportunities. The one that looking at the last few years and looking at Despacito, looking at Cardi B's I Like It last year as I think sort of the the summer song for last year, the only other one I would keep my eye on right now is the Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello song Senorita that just came out. It's a little late getting into the game for Song of the Summer, but that's one that has the pop feel, the love feel, the sexy feel, a little bit of the Latin feel, and you start to say, okay, that could get to enough different people that it could be one of those you know, the, the the things that kind of stands for a moment in time. Let's hear that. This is Senorita. We're speaking about the essential summer music of 2019. Alan Light is with us. Floyd Hall is with us. Dr. Joycelyn Wilson is also with us. What's on your 4th of July playlist? We'd love to know. You can tweet us at OST Talk or leave us a message at 404-500-9457. Well, this is also one of those collaborations, and there have been a number of songs of the summer that have been collaborations in some, you know, big attempts. Uh, Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran, have uh, they haven't put out much recently, but they've got a song. I don't care. And this one, DJ Holland, Nipsey Hussle, and John Legend. This is called Higher. Super churchy for a summer song. I think I think it's got what do you think? Well, I think this highlights that. There are different songs for different places in our lives. And I think in the summer, 
um, that's even more amplified because I, I know Alan kind of mentioned songs getting to everyone, but I also think that we're in this in this playlist culture, but also this space culture where the song that I hear at the hotel pool or the song that I hear on Sunday morning or the song that I hear late night on Saturday night uh, or at the, the cookout may not all be the same song. Like Old Town Road doesn't fit all those boxes for me. And so I think that when you think about where we kind of evolve our day and how we are able to have this personalized list of songs that match different moods of our day, I think that's what, you know, has evolved from this space of the mass, like the, the consumption of the masses versus a very nuanced and curated space for my life. And so when I think about, um, you know, chilling at the hotel bar, um, I'm thinking about something not Old Town Road. You know, if, I, if, I, if I'm thinking about something late night, three in the morning, you know, when I'm probably someplace I don't need to be, I'm, I'm thinking about future. <laughs> you know, um, but if I'm thinking about being at the cookout, I'm thinking about something like Beyonce's uh, interpolation of Frankie Beverly's Before I Let Go. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was going to say, my director, LaRaven Taylor, would not let me off of this microphone <laughs> if I did not play some Beyonce. So let's hear it. You know I can't got sunrises and shines on you You know there's nothing, nothing, nothing I would not do It's kind of hard to do one better than Maze, but I think Beyonce has done it here. I think she has. I like the bottom that she put on it. Uh, I think that uh, it works. It you know, I was wondering who was going to take that risk to try to even do some Frankie Beverly. So Beyonce did. I still love the original version better, yeah, though. But I think this is great. It's tough to knock the original out of that spot, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, Alan, love her. Want... we love her. She did great. But which one is going to survive long term? You know, mm. Frankie Beverly has put some points on the board yeah, over the years. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, I want to ask you about that, though. Back to the back to the collaborations. Is there a calculus behind that as a song of the summer? You know, the record company saying, oh, we can do it one better if we've got, you know, Shawn Mendes. You know what I mean? That kind of combination. Sure. I mean, I think that's not exclusive to Song of the Summer right now, though. I think it certainly helps. Um, and again, back to Old Town Road, which is a collaboration in, in its hit version and in its multiple remixes mm -hmm. um, and, and all of the different sounds and spins that it's been given. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Floyd is absolutely, of course, right that there are different songs for different times and places. But when you think of this idea of a song of the summer, and it's an increasingly difficult thing. You know, listen, we're talking about more people listen to more music every day than have ever listened to music before. The idea of building consensus, of being, of having those songs that everybody or big, huge swaths of people gather around and, and make part of their lives, you know, that's a really, really hard thing to do. So, sure, when a collaboration is successful, I mean, last year I think there was the question of whether the middle the Zed and Marin Morris song was going to, that one came out in January. They debuted it at the Grammys. It was still going. By the time we hit summer, there was a question of whether that was going to be the one that was going to block out a lot of other folks. Um, again, because the combination of artists, the combination of sounds was something that added up to something, you know, the sum was bigger than the parts and it continued to reach into different audiences and grow and grow and grow over time. Um, and those are the ones that uh, that are still able 
to get out there and and build that kind of coalition. All right. So just like the summer, this conversation is fleeting, and now it's over. (laughs) Too quickly. Joycelyn Wilson, thank you for sticking around. Thank you. Joycelyn Wilson, Floyd Hall, writer, producer, documentarian in Atlanta, also a producer of Bottom of the Map. Thank you. Terrific, terrific hip-hop podcast. Thank you so much. And Alan Light, journalist, host, and author of Sirius's XM Debatable series. Thank you so much. Thank you. A pleasure. All right. We're going to leave you with one of my quintessential songs of the summer as we head into a break. But stick around. We've got a nap coming. Who doesn't look forward to that? This is On Second Thought.